Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and I hope that you are social distancing somewhere in the great outdoors and wanted to let you know about this week's show and it's an outstanding show where rfd tv's christina loren will be visiting with johnny morris the founder of bass pro shops and the wonders of wildlife national museum and aquarium well during the interview johnny discusses his family his parents his wife how he got started in the business as well as his love and passion of the great outdoors Johnny's going to talk about the importance of his and Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's commitment to conservation as our listeners get a tour of the Wonders of Wildlife Museum and Aquarium. And and it was recently voted for the second time the best aquarium in the United States through a poll taken by USA Today. Johnny's going to discuss tracker boats and how it changed the game of fishing, as well as the family aspect of fishing and how the outdoors brings families together. Well, I've had the privilege of knowing Johnny Marr since 1979 when I met both he and his dad in Orlando, Florida. And our friendship grew through the years with his support of the National Wild Turkey Federation and becoming actively involved in serving as our honorary chairman of the Federation's Nashville Convention. Well, since the inception of the Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium, I've been honored to serve on its board working directly with Johnny on making his conservation dream a reality, and right through the grand opening of America's best new attraction in America's best aquarium. We've shared turkey hunts, deer and elk camps, as well as salmon-filled rivers across North America. And a person gets to know a lot about an individual while sharing a tent in the backcountry, and I've certainly had the privilege of seeing the depth of his kind and passionate mind and heart as they reach out to make this world a better place. So without delay, let's meet this modern-day Theodore Roosevelt. So let me hand this off to RFD-TV's Christina Loren. I'm Christina Loren, coming to you from the granddaddy of all outdoor stores in Springfield, Missouri. But the Bass Pro Shops that we know today started from very humble beginnings. Let's go inside and meet the man who started it all, founder and leader, Johnny Morris. Let's go inside and catch up with him now. Hey, Hey, Christine. Hey, Johnny. Thank you so much for letting us be here. It's such a privilege. It's an honor to have you here. And uh, I don't know, but I just suspect a lot of your viewers, hopefully some of them, like to hunt and fish, come in our shops. (laughs) And to me, they're the backbone of what this country's all about. And so it's an honor to have you here. You might not know this, but... When I was a teenager, my dad had a farm just south of here. I was a member of uh, FFA, took Botech uh, Agriculture in and, and high school. Myself and another fellow, Johnny Fultz, milked 150 head of Holsteins for two years when I was in high school. Wow. I came home one day, and my dad told me he'd sold the cows. I was not unhappy. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, uh, I, that's when I started having more time for fishing. But... Uh, all that aside, it's great to have you here. Oh, this is such a rare opportunity because we get to hear your backstory today and, and how you were able to make life better for so many people with the great outdoors and the accessibility. So we have so much to talk about, but let's start in the beginning. Tell us about the house that you grew up in and where, where you were born. Well, I was born here in Springfield, Missouri. I grew up on 683 South Pickwick, a uh, little house uh, with my Mom and dad, three sisters, and uh, we have a lot of had a lot of fun memories from that house. You know, we cleaned quite a few fish there. This uh, this area is called the the Ozarks, is the float fishing capital of the world. And my mom and dad loved to meander down streams and fish for smallmouth bass. And they'd take us, me and my sisters, along with them. And that's how really our company got started. 
being introduced to the outdoors through my mom and dad. I love that. And I'd love to hear more about them. Tell us about your mom and some of the values that she instilled in you. Uh, my mom was pretty amazing, a dear sweet lady. She was kind of like a saint to me, but uh, my mom and dad, uh, John A. and Jenny Morris, they were both born in a little town north of here, Willard, Missouri, and they were bo both born in 1911. And uh, you think back, to me that was the greatest generation, and my parents grew up not unlike all their neighbors, you know, no electricity, no running water, Years later, they get their first radio, TV. I remember them telling me about the first Model T coming to town and and uh, seeing a plane fly over. So, and then from there to see man on the moon and just the period of time in history they came through. Anyway, but th I think they were always rich in spirit, without any question, and and very happy people. And part of their, uh, I think their feeling of happiness came from you know the outdoors and just being time and nature. My mom and dad, you could say, by many of today's standards, grew up pretty poor. My mom was one of 10 kids that was raised in a two bedroom house. My dad was raised by his great aunt. They didn't have a lot, but they did have a lot of happiness. They didn't have a lot in the way of material things. But uh, as far as happiness, and a big part of that I know was the joys they both shared, just being able to spend so much time out in nature and hunting and fishing. Simple but really meaningful things in life. Now your dad was a decorated World War II veteran. Tell us more about him because he was a bit of a mentor to you along the way. Yes, my dad, uh, John A., he was truly my hero in life. I admired and respected my dad so much, so deeply. and. Uh, he just, he was a pretty savvy merchant and coached me on that, many things in life. But uh, he, when we started our shop, I, I wanted to, he had, uh, you know, some convenience store, like he sold, he had some little Brown Derby liquor stores here in the area. I went to the first National Bass Tournament on Table Rock in 1970, and I made a list of all these lures, and it was hard to find them here in local stores. It's kind of ironic, but where our headquarters store is today, where you are, where we are right now, is called Gibson's Discount. <laughs> and I took the manager a list of all these items, and he said, well, John, I'm sorry, but I can't get permission from the home office to carry these things. So then I went to my dad. I said, Dad, we got to put some of these bass baits in your store on the way to Table Rock. And at first he was kind of reluctant about it, but he came around, and he's always a steadfast uh, supporter. So he co-signed my note at the local commerce bank for $10,000 to get started. So always a lot of family involvement and really extended family, so many great people. I say this all the time, but I feel so blessed about many things, but one of them is starting our business here in the Ozarks and people just have so much pride in what they do. So it's, uh, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary in the company soon. And I just think it's a, been a remarkable journey, but it's, been made possible by so many amazing people. I just, that's what, I mean, just so many people having pride in taking care of customers. And a family support structure system that, that you were blessed with. If you will, let's talk a little bit about this picture right here. Can you take us to this day and just tell us what's happening here? Well, that was my mom, Jenny, and she, you see the fish stringer, she probably caught more fish than the rest of the guys in the boat together. <laughs> this is a famous uh, place in the Ozarks called the Pothole. It's uh, below Power Sight Dam on the White River. The fish really congregated there. That's, that's me up in the front, my dad, and then Uncle Charles. So it's just a happy day of fishing on the White River. Most of the time we were, you know, float fishing. They built the reservoirs or dams along the white, that created the White River chains, chain of lakes, and that really kind of gave birth to the sport of modern day bass fishing as we know at the reservoirs. They destroyed some habitat or took away some of our old favorite fishing holes, but it created so much, you know, in the way of habitat for fish, and it became legendary. And can you just remember what it was like to be that age and to have the opportunity, just knowing the next day you and the family are going fishing? What did that feel like? That's just fun memories, you know, camping out on the gravel bars, seining minnows and crawdads and 
waiting for your court to go under when you're a kid. People think fishing or hunting sometimes it's going after a trophy, and that can be, I mean, that's great, but it's mainly the memories that you make just being with your family and friends in the outdoors, you know, and telling stories that get embellished a little over the years, but it's just life. It's great. <laughs> the size of the fish gets a little bigger each and every year. That Except great with Uncle Buck. <laughs> So I've got to ask you about your wife because she plays such a key role in the business operation. My wife? Jeannie. She's awesome. <laughs> and thank you for asking me because if she saw the show and I wasn't saying thank you, dear, I'd be in bad trouble. Jeannie and I have been married uh, like 34 years. We dated about four or five years before that. I was a confirmed bachelor for quite some time, but when I met Jeannie, and you're the best. I mean, she's a great wife, great mommy, grandmommy now. She used to play like she liked to fish until we got married and then she said, "Hun, you can go fish all you want. <laughs> she lets me and the boy go off all the time. I love fishing with the girls too, but John and I are just, it's a, a thing we have to fish and hunt together. So JP, my son, everything's going along. He's in Ozark grade school. So I come home from work one day, Jeannie says, boys, we got a problem, we got to talk. My son's probably seven, eight at the time. So she calls us in together. She said, look what I got from the principal. She got this letter, principal, I'll never forget his name, Zeke. It says, dear Mr. and Mrs. Morris, as of today, your son, John Paul Willie, has 35 unexcused absences by Missouri state law Two more days that he cannot graduate to the next grade. So that one time, Jeannie, oh Zeke, they teamed up. No more fishing trips the rest that year when we had to get out of school. But other than that, she's a pretty good mom. Thank you, Jeannie. So you got to go on all these wonderful, memorable trips with your family. You fell in love with the outdoors. Eventually, 21 years of age, you become a professional bass fisherman what was it about bass fishing over, say, salmon or fly fishing? What, what is it about bass fishing? Uh, bass is the number one game fish in North America, if not the world, just when a bass hits the top water, anything, but they're powerful, great fish, and it's pretty challenging. And they talk about a job to have going fishing. That's a good job. <laughs> so I was very lucky uh, that way my whole life, being around the sport of fishing. And I went to this tournament on Table Rock, and it really changed my life, the people I met, these great fishermen from around the country, and timing's important in any endeavor, and there was just a huge pinup demand. The sport of bass fishing was growing so fast. A lot of that had to do with the development of the reservoirs around the country. They were all chock full of fish, and there was so much innovation occurring at that time with fish finders, modern day bass boats. Uh, lures, everything. It was very exciting. So wh how was it that you made the connection that there's a need here for a business? From passion. You know, being a fisherman myself and wanting these lures and knowing firsthand there was a, a shortage of availability. So we came up with the name Bass Pro Shops because, you know, we wanted to be it was very descriptive of what we wanted to do. It would be a specialized place for people that love to bass fishing. Every nickel we could get for inventory, we kept putting into pushing my dad's beer and other gear over and put more lures on the shelf. <laughs> and this is it. This is where the very first Bass Pro Shops originated. So yes. let's go inside. So the first 13-year, Christina, 3543 South Camel, this is much of the structure, but this was the only store we, or shop we had the first 13 years we were in business. I'm very proud to show you around. Original doors. Original doors. Much of what you see here is, was brought, just, it was just a few miles down the street, like three miles from where, we're, where we are now. So a lot of emotion coming in here, a lot of fond memories being behind that counter, being with customers. This is our first uh, aquarium we had. And Bass Pro, as you know, is known for Cabela's. We have aquariums. But this is an old underground gas storage tank, uh, about eight feet in diameter. And we cut this window in there, welded it up. And uh, we asked the customers to bring in some big bass and crappie. 
It worked out great for the bass, but not very good for the crop because the bass ate them all. Oh. People have always been, our customers, fascinated by aquariums, and this is our, our first one we had right here in this shop. You could tell it was a big part of the whole shop. So, so this was, this is your dad's liquor store, and he said, okay, I'm gonna give you eight feet. <laughs> eight feet of space. What was that conversation like, just convincing him? Was it a hard sell? Well, you know, I was very close to my dad, but he said, Johnny, look, I tried this before. Uh, I don't recommend you do it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's, it's pretty competitive, and I wouldn't encourage you about it. But in the end, he obviously supported me, and it ended up great for both of us, because every time we'd run lures on sale or something, well, his business would pick up, guys getting some beer or something for their fishing <laughs> trip. But uh, yeah, that's my dad is always steadfast uh, supporter and a great coach in business. Just he was relentless on delivering value to the customer and service, and he was without my. I went to school, but my dad was the best school. Where did you get the idea to then take this eight feet of space and create these destination retail locations? We spent about two years visiting sporting goods stores around the country but also went to Europe, everywhere we heard about a great store, uh, grocery store, any kind of great retail store, just getting ideas and trying to create a daydream fun experience for our customers' aquariums. Also things to give them extra level of service like indoor archery range, shooting range is very common over in, in Europe and some places, you know, where people want to sight in their deer rifle before the season, things like that. We just wanted to create a fun daydream experience for our customers. I was just seeing this walking in here, like a tackle show report from the old days. We'd go to the fishing tackle uh, show and I see like here's Jim Bagley invented the Bagley's lures and Uncle Buck and there's, and there's Uncle Buck. Bill Dance right there. <laughs> Dark shades on. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, memories I'm having, Christina, with you here. I just I haven't enjoyed some of this stuff in a while. Being here in the shop, it just reminds me today all the turmoil in our country, but I think, you know, where we're blessed to live, opportunities, America is a land of opportunity. And I just, I feel, you know, one of the joys I've had in my life is to be able to travel literally around the world to go fish. And I remember in my late 20s, my dad had never been many places, you know, other off to the war, but we went to Cuba to go bass fish. And I just saw firsthand, you know, I wasn't a good student, but I'd, I'd certainly heard about communism, socialism, these other governments and systems. It sounds so tempting, but to go there as a young person and see firsthand, you know, what communism was really like, it was shocking to me. And since then, you know, just everybody kind of stripped of their individuality, of their pride, their ability to do whatever they want, to pursue whatever they want. And uh, the heavy hand of a big government making all the products, and none of us, in a way, they're in competition, right. like competition. but. It gives everybody in the country choices, right? Like where do you want to shop? What products you want to buy? When, when we were in Cuba, there, there wasn't the competition of a customer being able to choose like a Mercury Outboard or Johnson or Ebbingrude or Yamaha or Suzuki. There was just one engine and it was the Russian Machba and it, it would go about 100 yards and they'd quit. And it just hit me and I never forgot that. And just see, seeing the standard of living with people and since then to be to Russia, to uh, Venezuela, see, so I just, I don't know, it makes me, every time I get to go to one of these other countries that has these tempting, very tempting, government does everything systems, uh, it makes me wish that every young person was right there with me to see and appreciate more. I mean, we have faults here in America, not everything's perfect, but it's the best country ever and I just feel it so deeply so thanks for letting me ramble on about no it's that. true and it's free market capitalism that makes it that way without competition the best ideas don't rise to the top yep. and so everybody loses so I, I truly believe it. yeah I wish we could put ourselves in a time machine and go back 
to, you know, the first five years of, of you opening up that eight foot square space where you're selling your fish tackle because I imagine this kind of place where you catch the big fish, you're going to come straight here <laughs> and show that fish off or you're going to come down yeah. here and you, talk about I can imagine this was a pretty, pretty jumping spot. I would, I would Yeah, say. there's a lot of fish stories told in here. There's no doubt about it. And it was back in the old days before catch and release and people didn't know better or none of us. We'd, we caught a fish, we're proud of it, we keep it. And we actually had out in front of the shop a bragging board where people would come and bring their fish and have their picture taken. And then finally we learned, hey, you can uh, have an impact in a negative way on the quality of fishing if you take all the fish all the time. So we've all, we've all come a long way together on that. You heard Johnny Morris say, if it wasn't for conservation, there would be no Bass Pro Shops. Coming up, we're going to find out why it's such a deep-rooted passion for him and why he is fighting to preserve the great outdoors for generations to come. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere, with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000 square foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. Welcome back. We are in the Johnny Morris Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium, and conservation is what Johnny is passionate about. I think it just comes from having the good fortune from earliest days I can remember to be introduced to the outdoors by my parents. And I think it's uh, something that all people that love the outdoors have in common. And it ties back this whole facility we're in, Wonders of Wildlife has to do. It's really a tribute to the sportsmen and women of our country. And from the days of uh, Audubon and Roosevelt, they were hunters. Some people don't even realize that about Audubon especially, but it was being immersed in nature, fishing and hunting, getting so connected, not only the animals and the fish, but the habitat it takes to sustain them. And so I think, uh, I deeply believe this, and it's not just me, but many of the wonderful people in our company have a shared belief that if it wasn't for conservation, Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's wouldn't even be. You know, you think about how do we manage our natural resources and have opportunities for future generations to go out and kids get their fishing pole bent and catch a fish. If it wasn't for good management of fish and wildlife, we wouldn't have those opportunities. And through managing fish and wildlife comes so many other benefits for our environment, you know, clean water and air. So it's a, it's a big circle that we're proud to be involved in. I would just say, I think it's too much of a well-kept secret in this country, the role that sportsmen and women play in conservation. It stems back many years ago. I mean, our North American conservation model is the best in the world. There's no model for conservation that works like what we have here in America. And a lot of that's many years ago, sportsmen and women pretty much levied on themselves an excise tax for all fishing gear, rods, reels, somebody comes into Bass Pro, they get a rod and reel, they're paying a 10% tax that goes back to conservation. Same with uh, you know, shotguns, ammunition. And this goes between uh, this federal excise tax that's remitted back to the states. If you take that revenue plus the money that's generated from the purchase of hunting and fishing license, 
That is a vast majority of funding for all of our state fish and wildlife agencies. So uh, sportsmen and women out there, thank you very much for for your ongoing contributions, it's it's huge for our fish and wildlife. It is, and protecting species that would otherwise be extinct. They could go extinct. So how many endangered species have you been able to protect? You know, this is just such a success story that I feel like needs to be told. How, how do we do a better job of letting the public know? I think that's going to be one of the challenges. That's what this facility is all about, is just making folks aware, especially kids, uh, things that are like trouble spots on the radar screen, but also celebrating success stories that you mentioned. What have been remarkable achievements that we've all made by re reaching out to each other? Conservation, <clears throat> among all things, above all things really, is teamwork, and that's people reaching out to each other because our federal agencies, they just can't mandate you know, everything. The same with state agencies, but what what really generates great success is when you have the federal agencies reaching out to state agencies and also working with the private sector or companies and like in the sporting goods industry, these NGOs, all these conservation groups and individuals, we can identify important projects and then work together. That's when you really move the needle and that's where we have to make huge you know, common sense strides to do things together in a very positive way. And it takes somebody who can reach all avenues, all types of different people with different personality types, and you are the man who has been able to make those connections. I think it's just a beautiful thing what you've done, and I personally thank you for preserving what we have today for, for, my, for my son and for his kids going forward. How does that feel knowing that generations to come are going to be able to enjoy nature because of the strides that you've made? Mm -hmm. I'm just one of many, right? But I'm proud to be on that wagon to try to preserve and really enhance things for generations. I, we got six grandkids now. They call me ice cream grandpa. I spoil them, but one of my favorite things I like to spoil them with is getting their fishing pole bent with a fish on the end of the line. And if anything that's been a real positive from this virus, I can say this, it's families, you know, sad, you know, so many people being away from work, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, kids being out of school, but the happiness is the family time together and families reassessing what are real important, what are the real simple but important priorities in life, and one of those is just the fun times you can have being together in nature. So we've seen like fishing, kids going fishing, the sales of fishing tackle or fishing license, all-time record high in the USA. It's amazing, so that's a good thing for the future, you know, I mean, through all the hardships, there's bright spots that, you know, come from every adversity, and that's what we see now, kids, families getting reconnected to nature. You know, I think, uh, I think a lot of the general population is unaware about how you're building population back into the wilderness, and that's part of conservation. And I remember hearing a story about how your dad here in Missouri was noticing hey, there's not as many white-tailed deer around, not as many wild turkey around as there once were. Is that part of what got you started? Yes, my father and mother both became big fans of our Missouri Department of Conservation, but I just remember them telling me that when they were young, they never did see a white-tailed deer or a wild turkey or very few deer. Today, they're so abundant. Why is that? It's because people started to pay attention and take care of manage this, these species along with many others. Well, we had a chance to talk to some of your employees about all your efforts in conservation because I know that you are a humble man, and so we wanted to get the story from a couple of your workers. So let's hear from Bob and Shelby. Conservation is at the core of who we are as a company. Under Johnny's leadership, we understand that the outdoor industry sits on a cornerstone that depends upon the quality of habitat, the abundance of fish and wildlife, and recreational access for the public. Many people ask, what is conservation? What does that mean? For our company, simply put, it's wise use. We work hard to protect our outdoor heritage for hunters, anglers, recreational shooters, and boaters. 
We work to make sure that the habitat is there and aging impoundments, for example. We look to find those partners that can help us, that have a mission that overlaps so that we can ensure that resources are handed off to the next generation in an enhanced condition. So Johnny Morris started a not-for-profit foundation all with the goal of inspiring people to get outdoors and to connect with nature. And there are a few really amazing attractions that fall under that foundation. In fact, we're standing inside one of them right now. We are here at the Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium in Springfield, Missouri. And this is really the cornerstone of the Johnny Morris Foundation. It is an incredible 350,000 square foot museum and aquarium larger even than the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in DC. This is a collective story of more than 40 leading conservation organizations all across North America coming together to inspire folks to get outside and get involved to pick up a rod and reel, to take your kids hunting, take them fishing, camping, hiking, whatever that may be, knowing that that is how we inspire kids to want to grow up and become future conservationists. I've been privileged to spend time on the water fishing or days of field hunting with Johnny, and I can say without a doubt, Johnny's passion for the out of doors and enthusiasm to share those experiences with others are unmatched. He notices the often small, overlooked details, whether it's the beauty of the landscape, the smell of the freshness of the air, the sounds of nature, if we're around a campfire, the smell of the wood burning. Johnny also has a desire and really a special skill to help individuals connect with the outdoors and that experience. You know, something that we often joke about is Johnny is kind of a big kid himself. And when we were in the construction phase for Wonders of Wildlife, far before we ever opened our doors to the public, you know, we were going on a lot of construction walkthroughs. Johnny was here every single day during the construction process and just, you know, pouring his heart and his vision into this place. And what was always so amazing to me is, you know, we would be walking through the aquarium. It didn't even look like an aquarium yet you know things were just mocked up it was in the early stages so everywhere that he looked he was thinking about what that experience would be like for kids and how we could make it even more immersive for them and so some of the fun details that were born as part of that vision include like these really amazing pop-up bubbles that are right at kid height where kids can actually crawl underneath and pop up inside the aquarium so they're surrounded 360 by these animals um, and other fun details like like a swinging bridge that travels through the swamp over an alligator pit. I mean, things that are just amazing for kids. So you're truly taking a journey around the world when you come here to Springfield. You're going to visit ecosystems like the African savanna, the Amazon rainforest. You're going to explore a shipwreck that has settled on the ocean floor, explore cypress swamps through you know, the towering trees. What Johnny has done that has really set this place apart from any other museum or aquarium in the world is that it is fully immersive. So when you visit Wonders of Wildlife and you're traveling this one and a half mile journey through all of these different exhibits and exploring all of these different ecosystems, you're not only experiencing changes in your environment like in lighting, but you're also experiencing changes in sound effects, in temperature, so it's going to be much warmer in the African savanna and much colder when you're exploring the polar regions that are home to like our Gen 2 penguins, and even changes in smell effects. So you truly feel like you have left Springfield, Missouri, and you have embarked on this journey so Johnny has been the recipient of dozens of some of the most prestigious awards in conservation. A couple that come to mind include the John James Audubon Medal through the National Audubon Society and also the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Award that was actually bestowed upon Johnny by President Bush. And you know, one that is most recent that we're particularly excited about right now is the fact that Wonders of Wildlife was just voted by the readers of USA Today as the number one aquarium in North America. And this is such an amazing thing for us because it is such a testament that this story that we are telling here, that it's the public landowners, it's the hunters, it's the anglers that are inspiring the next generation of, of outdoor leaders. So Johnny, not a lot of people have a memory wall <laughs> quite like this. Tell us about some of these pictures. Oh, well, this is a salute to our fishing presidents. And fishing is a, 
you know, a common denominator for people from all walks of life, including our presidents. They just happen to be in a position to do a great deal more about many things, including conservation. So it's fascinating to me the shared passion of so many uh, presidents, regardless of their political affiliation and just some character pictures, Winston uh, Churchill and FDR smoking a stogie there and catching some fish. And some special memories to me, this photo, I was very blessed my life just through conservation, the sport of fishing to become friends, very close friends with uh, President George H.W. Bush's son. But for uh, 10 summers anyway, we went together and fish in these remote streams in Canada. It was just uh, Ken Rayner, the president's golf pro and a good buddy from Kennebunkport, and President Bush and his grandson, Jebby. And it was just, a, we never talked five minutes about politics wow. the whole time, but it was just like fishing. Yes, we talked about that <laughs> a lot. And same with President Carter, uh, obviously different politics, but another kind-hearted fellow. And uh, just uh, both of them really loved their fishing. And, and, and still to this day, President Carter. They were both part of your Wonders of Wildlife opening ceremony as well. George H.W. cut the ribbon. George W. was here in person, and so was Jimmy Carter. They, they came here to see you. How does that feel when you have three presidents honoring you? Well, I think they're just honoring, you know, <laughs> supporting the facility. Yeah. And uh, the, just... and. Man, what an honor to have yeah. them. Fishing's a great thing. I feel so blessed in my life to spend really my whole life around the sport of fishing. And to me, the days at work are just kind of the same. It's a joy, most days. What a great story about how the sportsmen and women in this country are really paving the way for conservation. We are going to take you inside and show you the very first bass tracker boat coming up, plus... We'll show you some of the latest and greatest offerings from Bass Pro Shops. That's next. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose, to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. Another big part of your story is the bass tracker boat. You revolutionized the game when you had the, the bass tracker available in Bass Pro Shops. Tell us a little bit about that story and how you were able to get it done. Well, uh, this is a bass tracker is a big part of our story. I credit my father again because the modern day bass boat was really originated here on the White River with forest wood. That, founder of Ranger Boat Company, and there was Rebel Boats uh, built down in Arkansas. And uh, the early 70s, mid-70s, these boats were 
very popular, you know, swivel seats, aerated live wells for the fish, electric trolling motors, fish finders. But these boats were selling for like ten or $12,000 at the time. And my dad just said, hey, John, there's a lot of guys out there that like to have a boat, families like to have a boat like this, really a bass boat with all the features, but they're not going to spend $10,000, $12,000 at the time for one of these fiberglass bass boats that also required a big engine that made them really expensive. He said, I think there could be a real demand for affordable aluminum version of this boat. So we came up with the name Bass Tracker. You can see that sign. It was like our first ad, $2,995. It was a true uh, breakthrough value. And our principal was kind of like a Model T. We only had one size, one color. It was the biggest risk or gamble we ever took in the history of the company because to get the manufacturer to make this boat, we had to agree to buy 300 of them. We'd never sold the first boat. We didn't have an outboard motor franchise or dealership, so we had to bootleg in the engines. But anyway, we went to local dealers. We got the inboards or outboards, and we had a lot of components like the fish finders and trolling motors we were selling through the catalogs. We put this package together. We were kind of forced to to market it through our catalog that went to a lot of fishermen at the time. So this boat came out in 1978 and we, we just didn't know if we could ever sell 300 boats or not. And we got a little bit of safety net on that commitment for 300 but man they sold like hotcakes and people were driving here to Springfield Missouri to pick up these boats sight unseen visitor shop because it was such a great value and it was all no no nonsense but everything you needed just ready to go fish and it really did try to kind of in many respects revolutionize what's common today is is a package of boat motor trailer everything assembled and we built these right here. A lot of great people with pride. Almost all the boats are built right here in the Ozarks. Great craftsmen and very dependable. Let's go catch a fish boat. You probably could have marked that price up after you saw that so many people wanted. You sold those 300, but you didn't. You know, you kept the price nice and fair and reasonable and, and therefore accessible to families who maybe couldn't afford that $10,000 boat. Why did you do that? Uh, my dad, he was relentless on delivering value, you know, and he was just, that was something he just ingrained in all of us every day. When can you deliver value? And it's going to pay off in the long run. You know, you're delivering quality in a world where a lot of businesses are cutting costs. What is it, do you think, that really helps tell the Bass Pro story? What was it about your business model that's different? I don't know. I think our very first catalog, we had these goals or values that we share with our customers. One was quality. Like you're talking, we had a limited amount of money for inventory, so we tried to just select the highest quality, most popular items, and have a good selection. And then uh, value, a good price, and then expert service. And those have been like our fundamentals from day one. We foul that up sometimes, but a lot of people wake up every day, just simple basics like that. If we can execute or come close, then we can make, you know, win over customers and make them happy. And that's that's our passion, our effort anyway, and try to help help them with, uh, I think the service, our uh, Cabela's, <clears throat> they had the slogan that they're, it was more than a slogan, it wasn't a slogan, it was a reputation that their people had earned world's foremost outfitters and we've adopted that at Bass Pro because really we we had world foremost outfitters too or people are just passionate about they're very knowledgeable right because people behind the fishing counter chances are they love fishing and themselves and they can tell the customer look them in the eye I don't have to look up in a book they just say hey here's what they're biting on here's how this rod works this reel works or same in hunting or camping they're they're very knowledgeable. I just can't say enough about the wonderful people that are, have come to be and are part of our company, our outfitters. I love that. And just the, the overall mission of the company to get people to go out into nature. You know, we live in a world that is so heavily concentrated in technology. More kids are likely to video game on a, or, you know, play, go fishing on a video game than actually go out with a fishing pole. 
obviously COVID-19 was terrible for the country, but in the sense that it's reuniting families and, and putting them back out in the outdoors. That's it's a major reset button in a positive way. Just everybody reassessing buddy, buddy, buddy. their, what are priorities oh, yeah. for their family yeah. and yeah. life. And like you say, getting kids away from doing this yeah. to casting a plug and seeing the court go under and all those fun things. Creating memories, right, that you never forget. <laughs> One other thing I need, just want to share with you as far as family, and it's down here, Christina, has to do with uh, our, our manufacturing and tracker. So that's uh, me many years ago in the center, and on the left is a fellow named Spike Anderson. He was our warehouse manager. And on my right was my dad's first cousin, Max Smith. And that was uh, maybe our very first boat trailer or one of them. We were having trouble getting quality trailers and Spike that was our warehouse manager said, Johnny, this isn't that hard. Get us a few welders, I'll get some guys. We'll build our own trailers. That's how we became involved in manufacturing. Just family and people with passion more. And Max had had some experience in manufacturing, but uh, that's kind of how we got started. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. You were telling us a little bit about the family aspect of, of fishing and getting together with family, but it, the roots go deep in yours. Yes, so this is a treasure picture to me and really our whole family. This is my mom. Uh, my mom, as I mentioned, was born in 1911, so she's probably four or five then. That's my grandmother. My granddad was a miller. Some of your uh, viewers might get a kick out of that, but grew up farming. So this was a catfish that my Two, two uncles, uh, my mom's brother, Uncle Buck, and Uncle Blondie were out noodling for catfish. And Uncle Buck always told the story that Blondie didn't come up, he didn't come up, didn't come up, and finally came up and he didn't have any skin left on his right arm. And that's the reason why he got a hold of this huge catfish. So they went up, got Grandpa. Grandpa saw what had happened, he knew what the boys were up to. So Grandpa says, I gotta clean this up. But Grandpa said, we're gonna go get that son of a gun. So, uh, Actually, my grandpa went down with my two uncles and they got this uh, big flathead. It was over 100 pounds and on Sac River, which is, uh, they noodle him. And uh, so that's kind of <laughs> part of our family tradition right there, an old story. It's, noodling's not legal in the state anymore, but I always viewed it as something that was pretty sport. So your father was a World War II veteran, a decorated World War II veteran. Tell us about this salute to our troops. 
Well, I mean, what a country we live in, all of our defenders of freedom. Uh, my father was actually in the Battle of Bulls. He never told me about it till later on in life. And uh, just told me how lucky he was to make it through when many of his comrades, the other young men around him, didn't fare so well. But mm. I just, uh, the flag, Iwo Jima, and just memories. We have to all salute our troops all yes. the time. And it's one of my favorite places in here. Uh, just, just the memories. This is actually a photo of my dad here. And uh, I love this picture. I don't know the history, but that soldier obviously on his back, he's got his own little sign, I'd rather be fishing. And you know, that's a true, what, what a powerful statement. But the sacrifice of so many. Uh, so we have, all of us have these freedoms we have. So we were here now, the section that pays tribute to the Cabela's family and all the Cabela's outfitters and uh, Dick and Mary. Cabela and Jim Cabela, uh, I mean, our company started, you know, just pretty much the same way from scratch. And because those guys and Mary, they had a passion about the hunting, especially and fishing. And then you were talking about your Uncle Buck and the coffee can. He's a character. So this, you talk about family. Now, this guy was a storyteller, but this can is a treasure to me. And it's one of many. My aunt and uncle would make these eels, uh, you know, for bass jigs. They were just deadly and it was pork rind. And they had these thermometers they put on these Folgers cans. They put on my aunt's stove and they had the temperature marked where it would get up maybe about 120 degrees to use writ dye to dye the pork. Uh, black was real hot or purple different colors they would make up. That, so that you talk about family involvement and where we came from. When the first few years we opened the shop, Uncle Buck's Eels were number one best-selling bass bait. Wow. True story, can't make that up. Huh? <laughs> and I just wanted to say thank you to Patrick for what he's done bringing you here. It's very special. Thank you so much for joining us. What a great opportunity to learn more about Johnny Morris, founder and leader of Bass Pro Shops. Johnny Morris, from his very humble beginnings, has never forgotten where he came from, and he honors his parents every day for the upbringing that has allowed him to stay connected and in touch with the real world. He is a friend to all and certainly a great American. Johnny is tremendous in his gifts that he's given to conservation, to our hunting and our fishing heritage, and the quality of life that so many people enjoy in the great outdoors. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Until then, I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.